the message that I have and, and that I feel has been, been put on my heart and something that has, God has really been speaking to me uh, over the past few weeks, it's come, you know, some things you're studying and, you know, you develop it and it kind of builds in your heart. This is one of those messages where it's been like personal kind of application, being personal experience, being something that's, that God has been working in my own heart. So, so what I'm bringing isn't necessarily... You know, oh, what, 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 you know what, what, what are you saying, God? What do you want? And, and, and coming up with some biblical theology based on, on the passage I was reading. This has been a journey, and this message has been, uh, the past three years of my life, a journey. Uh, and, and I want to share that with you because, honestly, like this week, I personally have, have experienced some sort of a, a breakthrough in my own life. Like genuinely, I've, I've experienced something where I had forgotten some of the basic things of the gospel, and I, just God brought it to my mind this week, and I've never in my whole life had peace like it. I haven't had it in about three years. And it's just the simplicity of the gospel. And so there's some of us here who, you know, we, 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 you know we've all had that time, haven't we, where we've been searching and striving, and we've had the gap. We all know the gap, we all, the Christian lingo is we have a God-shaped hole in our heart, you know. We've all heard that lingo, but it's true, right? It's true. We have this, we've always, we've all kind of, before we've been a Christian, experienced, and some of you have that today, this, this sense of, it's, we're striving and searching, and we want to fill that thing, and we, we can't explain what it is. What is it? But it's just this constant need for, for something, and, and we search and we search and then we find something and we're like, oh, I think this is going to be it. And we either work really hard to attain it and find that it's not the thing or else we just keep striving forward for a long time and just kind of get caught up in the motion of the searching. Um, but then there's some of us, right? We had that time and we experienced the striving and everything. And then like the, this, the uh, hymn goes, you know, when striving ceased, uh, we had that moment where we encountered God, we heard the gospel, we received God in our lives, and there was peace. And it was like, I, the searching is over. The striving is done. The, it's, it's, it's God. I can rest now. And then we go on the journey of life, and somewhere along the way, bit by bit, we kind of just drift from it, right? And it started off in this season of her life where it was so good and so, so much peace and so much joy. And then life comes and all of the stuff comes and the, the busyness and the tiredness. And we slowly just, we kind of start drifting from it. And, and I found personally in my life where I've had an experience of that peace. And then I drifted. And, and I, 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 you know, kind of wake up one morning and realize that I feel the same way I did before I was a Christian. Except now I'm just doing Christian things to try and search for the answer. I'm trying to do all of these things, do the right things, read my Bible, do the church, you know, all of this kind of stuff to just try and be right and just kind of this constant search for more of God, search for, you know, and it's a, there's just something not right there. You know, and it's like Ecclesiastes. How many of you read that book? It's mad. It's like, it's so confusing. You kind of read it and you're like, what's going on? This lad is more depressed, you know, he's like... But, uh, but as I was reading it, right, and I was, I was seeing just this classic pattern, right, in our lives where he searches for everything. He goes and he, he looks at self-indulgence and he goes, you know, to try and fill himself up. 
And that's what, what the Bible calls, you know, in the Hebrews, hevel, hevel, which is the language, which means it's like chasing wind. You think you got it, but it's gone. Um, and then I was searching more, and it was like, he was after wisdom and knowledge. Oh, that one hurt when I heard that one. I was like, oh, no. You know? But we search after wisdom and knowledge, maybe try and attain a certain level of wisdom. And then there was work as well, which I think for most of us are guilty of searching to try and get good enough in our work in order to, be, to, to, to fill it. And that doesn't work either. And he even, at one point, tries to be essentially religious, a good person. He tried good works, and even that didn't fulfill it. And he just gets to a point where it's like, life is hevel, hevel. It's like chasing wind. It is pointless. It's a waste of time. And then he kind of just ends up saying, let's just serve God. But we're kind of left in that place of, has he got it yet, you know? Um, and then we get to the New Testament, right, and some changes. And uh, the, the passage I'm actually going to uh, talk about is in Galatians 3, uh, verses 1 to 6. Paul wasn't a big fan of the Galatian church, okay? So as I read this, this is no, you know, I'm, you know but we'll start anyway, okay? So Galatians 3, 1 to 6. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So I ask again, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by, by your believing what you heard? So also, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And you know, the part I really focus on there is after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by the flesh? And the thing is, it's right, this Galatian church was on fire. They experienced Jesus. They experienced the spirit. This church grew and expanded, but somewhere along the way, they lost it. They started working in a different way. They started trying to do it. And, and we'll get to, get to the why behind that and get into the nitty gritty. But um, the title of my message today is The Way In is the Way On. Okay, the way in is the way on. And so I love this, even just coming back to the book of Galatians. It's like, I find it so funny. So right, when you get to, to a Paul's, one of Paul's letters, in a Roman letter. There's kind of, you know, a nice introduction. Hi, I'm Paul, apostle. And a nice prayer and maybe a little doxology saying I'm praying for you and everything. With Paul, it's like tiny little introduction, tiny, you know, just tiny little introduction. Hi, I'm Paul. You know, I pray for you. And then it's straight away. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who you call to live by grace. I'm astonished. And he just straight away, we get the tone. He's like, Paul is not happy, man. He's not happy. He's so annoyed. He's like, I'm astonished. I'm astonished. Oh, what's going on? How have you so quickly deserted? He's trying to just pick something up and he's just trying to understand like, what's going on. And this is strong language he uses. He's astonished. He's astonished at what has happened. How did you start so well and now you're here? How did you start in this place where you're so on fire and miracles were happening and all this and now you're here? What, what happened in the gap? What happened in that gap? Why did he go from there all the way over here? And that's what I want to focus on. What happened in the gap? Why did they drift? And why do we drift today? Because we do, we do. And because the truth is, there is no other way to fill that gap. 
there is no other way to fill the hole. You know, I have this little diagram here, which I think just so simply sums it up. If we got it up, yeah. Simply, like, we have a hole at the other side of the cross. We get the win from Jesus and we're whole, right? We get the W. That's, you know, that's the simplicity of it. Colossians 1, 19, verse 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's the only way. It's the only way. Everything else is just going to leave us empty or striving. Jesus' cross is the only way to experience peace. Some of you need to know that today. You've been running for a while. You need to know that today, Jesus' cross is the only way for you to be whole. It's the only way for you to be whole. All right. You know what it's like as well for a lot of us? You know, Jody would always be laughing at me because I'll have my glasses right on my head and I'll spend hours, like I'll be 10 minutes running around the place like, Jody, have you seen my glasses? Have you seen my glasses? Where are my glasses? And I'm getting all riled up and she's just laughing at me because she knows they're right there. You know, or it's when you're on the phone for a while and, uh, and then you're kind of sucked into the phone call and then you get a bit, get a bit bored, you know, and you're kind of looking for your phone then to kind of, you know, and you're like, where is my phone gone? You know, I need my phone and you've been on it the whole time. And that's the predicament that we're in so often is that we have the glasses, but we've forgotten that we're wearing them, right? You know, we forget. But anyway, so Matthew, so I have loads of scriptures here, but when I was, yeah. Um, so when we come to that point of, of why we run away, okay? why we get away. I, I, I was looking, you know, trying to find it in the Bible, trying to find that point where it's like, help me understand this, God. What are the things that happen in life that cause us to drift? Why? And I was brought to Matthew 13. How many of us know the story of the good soils, the, the, or the four soils? We have, yeah, yeah. I, I read this book and they said this one line. Why do you presume you're good soil? Oh, no, 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 that was too close. Why do you presume you're good soil? And I had to reread it and be like, uh-oh, you know, uh-oh. Uh, Matthew 13, 18. So this is Jesus explaining the soils, right? He's explaining it. Uh, so listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they had no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so what, what I get from that is, is, is three different kind of gospels, if you will, that we can follow. Three different things that aren't the good soil. And I've been so convicted recently by questioning myself and my heart and asking the question, where am I on this? Because I, I don't think we just stick to kind of one soil and, and we're just that. It's, a, it's emotion, isn't it? We're kind of I'm kind of the thorny soil a bit one day, and then I start drifting into the, the rocky soil, and then I'm the soil you know, on the path. And some days I feel like the good soil. And it's, we're kind of in this tension all the time. And we want to be in the good soil. The good soil being understanding the gospel and walking in the spirit. And so the first one, the first thing 
that I believe the text is saying is that the reason why we, we run and why we miss out on the peace of God and why we miss out on all these things is because we start pursuing the gospel of better. The gospel of better. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And this is what was happening in the church in Galatia. So what was happening there is that the, they're all free. They're all these Gentiles, people who weren't of Jewish descent. They're all in the church of Galatia. And then comes along the Jews. And the Jews come along with all their baggage and all of the stuff that they feel that they have to do. And so the, the Gentiles and the, the, that's the kind of non-Jewish folk are doing there. They're living in the freedom of the gospel. They're living in the peace of the gospel. They're not, I don't need to do anything better. I have Jesus, Jesus crucified. That's it. I've got it. And the Jews come along and they say, okay, Jesus may have died, but you still got, a, got circumcised. Something all men will agree we don't want to do. <laughs> but... So they, you have to get circumcised. You have to keep these feast days. You have to do all of this stuff. And they were trying to push all of this stuff on them. And, and that, that culture that was around them, was, it just so suppressed them and, and put this weight on them. And, and it was so, they were so surrounded by it that they start falling into it. And the, the chief message that was spoken to them was that Jesus is not enough. He's not enough by himself. You need more. And even Paul or Peter falls into it. Just a little passage before in Galatians 2, Paul has to come and tell Peter, what are you doing? And he has to rebuke him. And he has to say, cop on. And man, Paul was a hardy man. <laughs> you know, but he, he comes because what was Peter doing? Peter was eating with all the Gentiles. He was in freedom. He was enjoying the freedom in Christ. And then when the Jews come along, he steps away. And he runs away from the people that he was leading. And he hides away because the cultural pressure was so strong. And he was like, okay, no, I'll just, I'll just hide with these Jews here because it's safe and I don't want to rock, you know, rock the boat. I don't want to hurt any feathers. You know, I'll just, I'll just you know, be quiet. And Paul was not happy because when Peter did that, what happened, Barnabas left too. And then all the disciples, and it starts rocking the very core of the gospel, the very core of what we're made about. And here's the thing. We have the equivalent today. It's not Jews, but when I go on her phone, do you know what my equivalent is this week? Very stupid thing. Widening toothpaste. <laughs> widening toothpaste. I don't know how many ads I've got for widening toothpaste this week. I'm flicking through Instagram, and it's a this high smile, widening toothpaste. And then I go again, and it's another one. I know like all the brands of widening toothpaste now. And by the end of hearing about all of this toothpaste, I start looking in the mirror. Jeez, my teeth are a bit jello, you know. They're not white like those guys. Yeah, maybe I do need a bit of whitening toothpaste. You know, yeah, it seems to work for them. I even know now they have this whole thing where it's like purple counteracts yellow kind of a thing. So therefore, if you put a purple color on your teeth that are yellow, they become more white. See, we have a few nodding heads there. They know what it's about. So this is the kind of stuff that I'm seeing, okay? You know, so it's a whole world, you know. Um, but then you keep going and then you see this thing where it's like, you know, you see, see people and they're, they're like, oh, you need to do this. You need to, you know, go hit the gym every single day of the week and get, get built, get strong, you know, and be, be this thing. Or, you know, this kind of the personal development side of things, which I don't have a problem with. But it's when it becomes ahead of the gospel that it becomes an issue. Improve, grow, sanctify. That's good. But make sure God is first. Amen.
you know, and so we get to all of this. And honestly, after like looking at the stuff, I just want to scream because I just feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. How can I, I have a thousand different voices telling me to do a thousand different things and I'm seeing it all over the place. And it's just, it's overwhelming. It's so, it's so overwhelming. And marketing has got so clever now. I walk through Connolly Station and then there's like a Pepsi. We go through this tunnel and there's Pepsi over on the roof on the sides. And then I start hearing they put in a speaker with like the sound of a Pepsi can opening. And by the time I'm off that train, I'm like, oh, I'd love a Pepsi. You know? <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, but these things, they sort of wear you down over time, you know, and, and even kind of that whole area of, of marketing. It was Freud's nephew who was one of, one of the big, Freud, the psychoanalyst, was really one of the people who, who spearheaded that. And the core messaging is, is if we plant that you're not good enough, then we're going to create a demand. And then you're going to buy watching, you know, that thing. And so we're surrounded by a culture that's saying we need to attain more, we need to be better. And when we're better, we can be accepted. That's contrary to the gospel. That's contrary to the gospel. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Christ plus nothing equals everything. Amen. Amen. And that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. So we need to be so careful with that. We need to be so careful and run away and make sure we keep turning back to Jesus, the cross, the gospel. That's who he is. I am saved. I don't need to be better to receive acceptance. I can have peace this morning despite everything because as I am, I'm enough. Jesus loves me as I am. He died for me on my worst day, not my best day. He died for me with my yellow teeth and all, you know? <laughs> but, uh, someday I may not have any teeth and he'll still love me, you know? <laughs> Looking at some of my uncles, am I? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I better like hide my teeth now. Honestly, yeah, they're not that bad, you know? <laughs> um, but the second, the, the second part that I'm picking out here, okay, and this one, this, this, you know, I'm sorry, I have to go so deep, honestly. <laughs> it's a Sunday morning. But the second one is the gospel of pain avoidance. The gospel of pain avoidance. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Funny thing is, is when I became a Christian, I believed all trouble was gone. And that's true, just not this side of eternity. Yeah, it will be gone at some point, but not this side of eternity. Um, but yeah, no, so I believe this whole thing that it's going to be happy, clappy, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be free, and there's going to be no suffering and nothing's going to come against me. And when stuff started happening and suffering started coming, I felt so abandoned. I said, God, why have you left me? Your promises weren't true. I was saved through Psalm 91, but whenever it said, you know, and he will deliver you from evil, I read that no evil will ever come near me. But you deliver me. So you will take me out of the evil. You'll take me out of the pain. But that doesn't mean the pain's not going to be there. It's John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Trouble's coming. That's great news. <laughs> yeah, trouble is coming, but, but right, pain is so hard. Pain is so hard. Suffering is brutal. It is brutal. 
there's no getting around that. It has a way of killing us. It just wears us down bit by bit, right? Do you know, it's fine. You can take one day of suffering. You can take two days. You can take a week, maybe. But when it turns into weeks and months and years, and one thing after another, yeah. it wears you down. And instead of even just searching for the peace from the gospel, you just don't want to feel pain anymore. Yeah. You just don't want to feel the suffering anymore. We just walk in just a way in which we just don't want, we just don't want to feel it anymore. Let's just keep going and do things to avoid as much pain as possible. It's so hard. See, one day you believe that God is all you need. And the next day, he just seems irrelevant. Because I just need to stop feeling. I just need to stop feeling the pain. And we're just back in that cycle again of just running away, hiding. Just trying to find some, some sense of peace, some sense of freedom from pain. And hey, this morning, I want to say that's okay. That's okay for a season. I get when you're in the middle of something, it's very hard. It is really hard to get out of it, but it is okay for a season, but there comes a point when we've got to face the pain. We've got to face it. Because Jesus never hid brokenness and pain from us. He brought us clearly with it. When the world is, is trying to tell us to just avoid pain and hide from it and run away from it, Jesus and his gospel, because he's not very like, wow, humans, you're great. He's like, the world is broken. You are broken. Every, you know, broken people, broken marriages, broken you know, kids, broken culture, it's all, but he's saying, face it directly. Yes. See the, all of the brokenness and see that I've overcome it. Yes. That I'm greater than it. So you're not fearing it anymore. Yes. You're not fearing it anymore. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is that with suffering, it will either pull us out or we'll grow our roots. Right. If we keep running, we'll run away. If we come and face him, it will grow roots. We'll go deep. We will go deep. You know, in Psalm 27, I'm going to pull this up. Um, wrong one. Psalm 27, I believe, is so powerful. When you're in the moment and in that season of suffering and you don't know what to do, and you're like, like how, do I, how do I know God in this? I don't feel like worshiping him. I don't feel like doing anything. And this is, Psalm 27 is amazing because it's when David is in this cave, right? After he's been kicked kicked out of he's had these promises he's had all this thing and now he's in a cave with a few ragtag people who were yeah they had nowhere else to go either and he's left in this cave feeling abandoned in the middle of suffering things turned and I love this because in that suffering he says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh my adversaries and foes it is they who stumble and fall though an army encamp against me my heart shall not fear though war arise against me yet I will be confident you see he wasn't avoiding the pain he was willing to be in that wrestle of worship he was willing to be in that season of wrestling with it and, and he says, you see, look, listen to this. Though an army encamp against me, I see it. I'm afraid. There is an army encamping against me. They're searching for him. They're trying to kill him. They're out to get him. And he's like, though, though there's an army encamped against me, st still my heart shall not fear. Still I shall not fear. Still I shall not fear. You know, and he says, the war rise against me and I feel surrounded. I feel surrounded. I can't get out of it. But yeah, yeah, God, God, I'll, I'll look at you and, and still I'll be confident. Still, I'll be confident. He didn't run away from that wrestle. He didn't hide away from it and just keep numbing himself. 
he, he engaged with it and as hard as it was, God, I'd still be confident in you. God, I'm going to still keep looking at you. God, I'm, going to still, I'm just going to engage in that. And in that process of that wrestle, and in that process of, of, of trying to remain confident in God, he's grown roots. And he's grown roots, so, so he goes deep. He could have been pulled out if he just gave up. But he's stead in it. And if we keep running away from the suffering that comes, we'll just end up just walking away from God and walking away from grace and walking away from all those things that we found our peace in. And we'll just lose it. And I know there's people here who have been in a season of suffering for a long time. Hey, I just want to encourage you. Thanks for keep showing up. Thanks for coming. And hey, you know, God's not done. He's not finished. Engage in the restless heart as it is. And the most important thing, like Alan was talking about Mary, and we see in that start with Mary, she's lovesick. She's there with Jesus. Lazarus dies. She's like, why has God abandoned me? Why wasn't Jesus there for me? Where was he? Jesus let the suffering happen. But then what does he do? He doesn't just come and heal Lazarus. He comes and he weeps with her. Some of you need to enter a season of weeping with God. So then he can enter a season of laughing and joy of life and be in the peace of the gospel. Allow the weeping to come with him. Because that's where we grow close to him. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste the suffering. It produces endurance and endurance. Character and character hope, right? It's hard. But I believe that's just the way God has made it and ordained it. It's just the way he has made it. Okay, so the third point, and it is warm up here. The third point on the, uh, you know, the third part, the third kind of false gospel that we, we run after and the thing that we start off in the peace, we start off in the joy, we start off in, in, in that confidence and know God is all I need. And then the thing that kind of numbs us to a point where we just start being like everyone else again. I believe the third one is the gospel of comfort. Yeah, yeah. This one hit deep. I have a story from two weeks ago. It's very fresh. Anyway, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's like things are going well. Life is good. And that's good, you know, life is brilliant, life is going well, I, I, have, I have everything I need. I don't really have too many struggles. Things are good. And you know, I'm going to praise God for the good things that are in my life. Hoo-ha, well, we're doing great. Yeah, this is easy. And then you read verses that, you know, if you're like me, you'll skip them in the Bible. Because, you know, I don't want to. Luke 14, 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Or Luke 17, verse 13, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I just tear those bits out of my Bible, I think. You know, I don't like those bits. They're not nice bits. Um, and Jesus in my own life. Oh, I don't know if this is just a me thing, or if it's everyone. The moment where I'm just about to kind of go to sleep, I'm in bed, I think my logical brain turns off. And I'm kind of sitting there ready for a great night's sleep. And then I hear God say stuff. And he start, it's like he has like a found a vulnerability in me to tell me the things that I need to hear that I didn't want to hear. And so I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for sleep, ready for a nice sleep. I was tired. And then I just hear God say, 
Would you be willing to sell everything and move away? Just turn over the other side and hopefully he'll <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I was up half the night. This was last Saturday. And I was like, I need to go to church in the morning. I can't be listening to you, God. No, no, no. I need to be focused for Sunday. I don't need to. I know he kept coming. Would you be willing to do it? If I play something in your heart, are you willing to go? And, and as he said this, there's things that started popping up in me, in my head, where I'm like, no, but what about this? Or what about that? And that fear of like, I can't let that go. Or this go. You know, it's like, no, but you know, I have this whole plan, you know, and getting a house and all of this and, you know, all of this stuff. I don't want to let that go. And it starts just bringing up all these things that have popped before God. And I was broken. And I was like, God, you need to do work in me. I've gotten too comfortable. I've gotten too comfortable. It just, oh. You know, sometimes we all say, oh, I love God, I love God. Sometimes I hate God, you know, but then it's my flesh that hates God. It's, it's the parts of me that don't want to submit to him, you know, and we get too comfortable. And I think of Abraham, you know, Abraham in the Bible, Genesis 22. So Abraham has been given this promise. He's an old man. Abraham's name, by the way, means the like father of many. Abraham was an 80 year old man with no kids. Jesus is a jokester, you know? He's a bit of a, like, you know? And even Isaac's name is like, he laughed or what, you know? It's like, you're kind of just making fun of, of, of Abraham. But so Abraham goes through, he has this promise for years and years. He's waiting for the promise. He even forgets about the promise. And he goes and he tries to do it his own way. He tries to figure it out. But still God is like, no, you need to fulfill the promise. I have promise. I'm giving you a child. The promise is there. The promise is there. And he waits so long. And it miraculously... Because that woman was old, man. She was old, you know. Miraculously, they get the child, Isaac. Miraculously. And then you think this is a happy ever after story. Until Abraham has one of those little, in the middle of the night, sleepy times where he hears God say some stuff. And he says, I want you to go and sacrifice Abraham, or Isaac. I think he probably tried to turn over too and was like, no, no, that's not God. No, that's the enemy. No, no, God would never say something like that. You know, imagine after so many years of waiting for the promise and God is like, okay, now I want you to give it away to me. And do you have faith to believe that as as you give away your most prized thing, that I'm going to do something, I'm going to resurrect it, I'm going to do it. Do we have faith to believe that as we honestly give away our lives, that God is going to give us new life? As we surrender. See, it's not sacrifice, it's surrender. It's giving away something lesser for something greater. Do we believe that? Do we have faith in that? Honestly, I don't. God has to do a deep work in me. Because I'm not willing to sell it all. I'm not. God, work in my heart. God, help me understand you and understand your love so that I'm willing. Because I'm not going to do it unless I'm more in love with you than anything else in this world. I'm not. And it's, it's powerful, you know, when we get to that. And I, I have some friends coming over. And they're coming over in two weeks' time. And they're, like, honestly the most godly people I know. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're American. And they, they've been on the mission field for about 50 years. 
unbelievable people. They, they were like, no, I'm going to give up everything at like when they were like 20. And they, from that time, they've never had a house. They've never had anything. And they just go from country to country, developing community development stuff to help people and to build communities and to share the gospel. And they've been doing that their whole life. But I've never met people more peaceful. And they still like nice things. Like they still put away 100 euro wherever they go and they get flowers and they make the place nice because nice things are good, beauty is good. But, but they have given up their main thing and their main focus is Jesus and the gospel. He's enough. And they have peace that I've never seen. They carry the presence of God in a way that I have never seen. They haven't. And I've been so struck by that. I, I saw this thing, the send. I don't know if any of you have heard the send. It's a gathering, they have stadium tours where they have thousands and thousands of young people come up and they make them take off their shoes and say, you only get to walk in these shoes once in your life. Blessed are the feet of those who carry the good news. And they make them take off their shoes and say, if you are willing to actually be sent and go somewhere, take off your shoes and put them up in the air. And I've seen hundreds and thousands of young people put their shoes up in the air to say I'm just going to go wherever God calls me I think we need to learn from them I think we need to learn from them it's powerful but it all comes back to this is that in order to have that level of surrender that level to have that level of sacrifice we need to have that level of love for God but we're not going to get that level for love to God unless we're walking in the gospel of Jesus Christ the one true way of being saved, of finding peace, of finding wholeness, is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it? We all know there is a sin issue. You don't need to be a theologian to see brokenness around the world. Sin issue that we caused. And Jesus came and he died and he reconciled for us that brokenness. He took on the sin for himself. He took it on. We make a decision to receive the gospel. We will take that opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm going to accept what you have done and I'm forgiven, and I'm healed, and I don't need to do any more. I've got it. And then we have the Holy Spirit who unites us to God. That's the purpose. He unites us to him. We see his beauty, and we're transformed. And I believe today, God is calling us to come back to him and come back to the gospel. Let go of everything else. Let go of trying to strive and be better and, and feeling like I got to do more and just receive the comfort and the peace that comes from Jesus. Come back and receive the gospel. Forget about the rest. Forget about the being better. Experience the peace of God and then listen to his voice. Now can we just get the keyboard up? We have time to get, we'll actually go on to worship. Um, so I just want to guys encourage you right now. We're gonna, I just want to pray. And I asked the prayer team to come up, and I don't want it to be a big thing, but I just want to ask that if you feel on your heart just a call that I want to come back, I'm not experiencing peace and I've drifted. I'm not experiencing what I was meant to. I want to come home. And some of you, it's your first time, and you're like, I want to experience it. I want to encourage you guys to, to come up and just have the prayer team pray for you. And experience just a peace that we cannot understand. So, so Father, we just, we just come before you right now. Father, we just welcome your presence. Father, we ask, God, would you break anything in us 
that stops us from knowing you, from knowing that you love us, from knowing that you care for us, from knowing that you, God, are after our hearts. Jesus, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you move, Father, in a way, God, that we could not understand, Father. Would you break, Father, anything, God, that would hinder our love for you? Father, would you come, Father, and would you minister your love, O God? Would you minister your love, O God? Father, I pray today where there's someone who feels on their heart that it's time to go, it's time to, to, to expand, it's time, to, it's time to, to walk out the gospel in, where, in my neighborhood or in another nation. Father, would you put it on their hearts right now? Father, would you put it on their hearts?